Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena Delval, and my guest is Federico A. de Jesus, who is Director of Hispanic Communications at the Office of Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Today we will discuss immigration and immigration reform. Since March of 2006, Federico has worked as a spokesperson for Hispanic issues on behalf of the leader and Senate Democrats. In 2003, he worked as press advisor for Hispanic media outreach of the House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi in Washington, D.C. During that time, he helped coordinate, draft, and market the Democratic Hispanic Agenda, Compromiso Democrata con el Pueblo Latino, which was unveiled as the Joint House-Senate Democratic Vision for Hispanic American Families. In 2002, he was legislative correspondent, staff assistant, and internship coordinator at Congressman Elliot Engel's Washington, D.C. office. Federico received a bachelor's degree from the School of Public Affairs at American University in Washington, D.C., with a major in communications, legal institutions, economics, and government. Federico, welcome. Thank you for having me. Federico, before we start on the very controversial and hotly debated topic of immigration reform, if you would help us by painting a picture of what the status of immigration in the U.S. is today. In other words, how many people are migrating to the U.S. on a yearly basis? Where are they coming from, and what is their status? Well, first of all, that's, that's the, the core uh, issue when it comes to immigration. Uh, and the broken system that we have, uh, the legal channels are just too uh, too few for uh, people to migrate uh, legally and for the economic needs of the country to, to be fulfilled. For example, for high-skilled uh, workers, there are only 65,000 visas available. And for temporary worker programs, we only have 40,000 available. But according to all the statistics that I've seen, um, including the Department of Labor, uh, statistics. Uh, the economy needs like about 400,000 uh, workers a year. Um, so right now there are uh, very few legal channels for immigrants to come uh, to this country and uh, fulfill the economic needs of the uh, the American economy. So uh, this this issue is, is just really about practicality and about you know getting all the immigration flows that we have now in a legal way so that we can find out who's coming and who is building the American dream and who wants to destroy it, my bet is that there's only very few people who would harm this country most come to contribute to our society and to improve the quality of life of their families. So that first question is really uh, going to the heart of, of what the problem is with the system right now. You said, if I heard correctly, 65,000 visas a year are issued for highly skilled workers and 45,000 for temporary workers. Is that correct? More or less, yeah. Are these permanent visas for people to make the U.S. their permanent residence, uh, certainly in the 65,000 category? Uh, well, uh, it, all, it all depends on the category. For the temporary worker program, it's uh, seasonal workers so that there are no uh, legal channels for them to stay under that ca category. Um, if they have family members here who, who want to apply for them, or if a business applies for them, then they can have a, a green card. But those visas are just for, for temporary work. 
and you know, depending on, on what industry they're in, uh, the details of how many years uh, or, or you know, when they can stay varies. Uh, so, you know, really, we're talking about a very limited way of uh, people staying and, and integrating to, to the American fabric in, in a legal way. What are the criteria for selection for these 65,000 high-skilled worker visas? Well, I mean, the companies usually are the ones who, who recruit them from all over uh, the world. And, uh, you know, of course, there are some minimum criteria that I'm not uh, familiar with the details, but usually it's uh, employer-based uh, criteria, whether they, they fulfill uh, a need, and obviously they have to at least make an effort to demonstrate there are no Americans who would fill that job. Um, so after they demonstrate that and they get somebody who's qualified uh, from another country, I'm sure that they have to pass background checks and all sorts of other, uh, you know, hurdles to, to come. But once they fulfill those requirements, they, they can come. And there are also limitations on what kind of family members they can bring and for how much time. Uh, so part of the reason that the immigration system is so broken is that we have a lot of families who are torn apart, um, not only those who are here undocumented, but also uh, some of those who are here legally who couldn't bring in their families. So that we're, we're talking about a system that really isn't realistic and up to par to, to what society uh, needs right now. I know you said that from all over the world, but are there countries that are represented more often among the 65,000 skilled workers? Well, I mean, the, it really it really varies. Uh, I don't have the statistics right now on, on what countries are represented in those 65,000, but overall, um, immigrants in the U.S. tend to be at least 60% uh, from Latin America, and the rest are from, from all over the world. And those, those uh, visas, not only for the uh, the legal uh, temporary workers, but also for the highly skilled, um, have caps for different countries, so that we give opportunities to people from, from different countries, so that we don't have an overflow from one country or one region uh, of the world. Uh, so that's that's another way that they that they structure the system, so that at least there's some variety. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question the, the way that you were looking for, but that's the way that they're handling it right now. But it's not really the, the issue isn't as much as the variety versus the quantity uh, of available visas so that people can come and for the economy to, to get what it needs. Now, you said that these are high, highly skilled worker visas. I've heard of, of course, people who request a family member visa. Does that, is that part of the 65,000 visas that you mentioned, or is that separate? No, that's separate because those usually are, are, are applications for, for green cards. Of, of, of course, there are family-based based visas. Some are, are temporary. Some uh, apply for, for permanent residence, for green cards. Usually the ones for permanent residence are just for immediate family. Um, and some in cases of immediate family would only be able to come for 100 days. So it all depends on the cap and uh, the criteria of each individual. I mean, I wouldn't be uh, wanting to advise people on the radio or, or online on, on what their specific case is. It always uh, varies, but uh, that's a separate category uh, for, for, for the family members. And usually temporary workers aren't allowed to bring in their family. So the, those are the other 45,000 temporary visas that you talked about? Yeah, yeah. In so the, the, the categories for, for the workers are, are separate from for the family. Now, in addition to those three categories, the highly skilled worker, the temporary, and the families, 
there are, of course, asylum visas, refugees, refugees, and within that are the special visas that are allotted to Cuban refugees. About how many of those are there a year? I'm, I'm actually not that familiar, but with the Cuban Adjustment Act, I don't think that it's actually a cap. It's whether, you know, under President Clinton, they did this policy called the wet foot, dry foot, where if a Cuban uh, comes and touches ground in the U.S., they can stay as a refugee. And if they catch them off in the water, they, they get returned back to Cuba. So I'm not sure that that one in particular is capped. It's just a matter of how they get here. And it's really an unprecedented and unique uh, way of handling one country-specific migration to, to this country. So that's one of the exceptions, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the system right now. Is that the only country that has that kind of category? For a while, Nicaragua also had one under the Nakara Act, and it was under uh, the, the time when the Sandinistas were in power there, and uh, Fidel Castro is obviously still in power in Cuba. So for a while, Nicaraguans also had that policy. They could come in legally. Um, but the, the wet foot, dry foot only applies to Cuba. If we go back to the original question of numbers of immigrants, we're saying more or less 45,000, 65,000, and some other unknown number from these additional categories that we just discussed. Would it be accurate to say somewhere around 150,000 legal immigrants every year? Yeah, and obviously tourists uh, don't uh, count as immigrants. And part of the myth on immigration is that we have all these hordes of hundreds of thousands of people coming through the border, which a lot of them do, but actually uh, 45% of the undocumented population here come legally either through uh, tourist visas or other types of, uh, of legal channels, and they overstay their visas. So uh, it is you know, almost close to half. Uh, of the undocumented population comes through either the Canadian or the Mexican border. But the other half actually comes in legally. So that's one of the myths on, on immigration that, that's important to, to clarify. Federico, so we, if we know there are 150,000 legal immigrants and not including tourist visas, yeah. how many immigrants in total, including undocumented immigrants, are we looking at on a yearly basis? You know, the, the problem is that they're undocumented, so the estimates uh, vary depending on what source uh, you use. Uh, you know, most people have the consensus that in total there are 12 or around 12 million undocumented here. You know, a lot of conservatives and anti-immigrant advocates try to, you know, jump it up to 20 or 25 million just to scare people. But most experts that I've seen uh, agree that it's 12 million. Uh, so, you know, the numbers vary depending on what year, on, on what, you know, economic situation we're, we're counting on. So sometimes the administration says that they've had less arrests of people coming in through the border. That's not necessarily uh, meaning that less people are coming through uh, or that more people are coming through and they're not catching them. So we can all agree, at least, uh, you know, soundly that it's around 12 million total. Uh, but, you know, other statistics just aren't, aren't that, that reliable. When you say 12 million, though, you're talking about a cumulative number yeah. that has been happening for a decade or longer, right? Well, to put it in perspective, back in 1986, there were only 3 million undocumented. So that it has jumped significantly. 1986, you said? Yeah. 
1986, only 3 million, and now in 2007, we're estimating 12 million. Again, and you know, these are experts that, have, that estimate that, but it's kind of, um, you know, interesting that these are people who we don't know where they are, we don't know who they are, we don't know what they're doing here. Um, you know, we, we agree that most of them are here doing hard work that Americans don't do, but the fact that they're undocumented makes it a little difficult for us to track them, and that's one of the main reasons that we need uh, comprehensive immigration reform, not just because of the humane aspect, but also the security aspect. It, le it, it lets us focus on the people, uh, or the few people who would do the country harm, and focus the limited resources that we have on catching those like terrorists or potential drug dealers or human smugglers instead of people who are coming here to cut grass or you know, clean uh, you know, toilets or work in restaurants or doing a lot of other jobs like agricultural work that Americans don't want to do. So, you know, there are a lot of undocumented immigrants that we probably don't know uh, that they are here and how they count them. You know, again, it, it's a mystery to me, but it seems that most credible experts agree on the 12 million uh, statistic. Um, ob obviously, it could vary, could be a little less, a little more. Um, but part of the problem with the immigration system is that we, we don't have a sure way of tracking them. So that's part of the reason we need comprehensive reform. Taking into account that we don't have any accurate measurement, is there anybody out there estimating the actual number of immigrants coming in on a yearly basis, undocumented immigrants? You know, I I know that there are people that study that, and I don't want to put out a number because a lot of there's a lot of debate on on what that number is, and I, and I don't want to be you know guessing or, or picking one study versus the other. Some people say it's four hundred thousand. Some people say it's a hundred thousand. Some people say it's six hundred thousand. Some people sometimes say it's a million. And I don't really, you know, it, it's not my job to, to be choosing one, one study or, or one statistician uh, over another. The fact that they're undocumented makes it hard to track. So that's part of the reason we need the reform, so we can actually track them in a safe way that, we, that is a reliable way. So I just gave you a range of <laughs> how many people uh, vary and how many people have different opinions and how many they are. But it, there are in the 100,000. You know, it's not just a few, and it's probably not millions. From the 12 million that you said yes. is the commonly accepted number in terms of the, the, total. the total of undocumented immigrants yes. that are in the States today, what percentage would you estimate are of Hispanic origin? Um, well, I think that the, the most agreed upon uh, statistic is, is probably around 60% are, are of Latin American origin. Um, and you know, a lot of them are from Mexico, but a lot of others are from Central America. And there are from South America and the Caribbean, but most are Mexican and Central American, out of that 60%. Uh, so that's probably the number that, that most people agree upon. So 60% of the 12 million are Hispanic. Latin America. And the majority of those are from Mexico and Central America. Yes. And what kind of work are they doing, does anybody have any kind of information beyond just a guess? There are a lot of studies out there on, on, on that, but you know, most people benefit from, from the hard work of a lot of undocumented immigrants, and they might not even know it. The, the fruit they eat every day, they stay in a hotel room, and you know, it's not just uh, the, the service industry, it's also construction. Um, I, I don't have the, the breakdown uh, right now. Uh, you know, again, Part of the problem is that they are undocumented, so a lot of that is, is hard to, to track. Um, but, you know, th th there are filling jobs, 
And an interesting statistic, I might add, is that a lot of the states that absorb most immigrants, let's say California, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Texas, the unemployment rate there in those states is actually lower than the 4.5% uh, nationwide. So that's another uh, important statistic to keep in mind, uh, because some people you know, make the false argument that they're taking away American jobs, when in fact uh, it's hard to make that case. Earlier, you mentioned that the U.S. needs 400,000 new workers a year. What's the source of that? The Department of Labor. They, 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 they do assessments of the economic needs of the country, and they came up with that number. Um, so that, that's where it came from. Do they break down the types of workers that are needed? Are they in the industries that you mentioned, or are they high-tech? Do we you have know, any breakdown on that? They're, they're all, I, I don't know the specific breakdown at the moment, but they're, they're in, in every industry that they can't find Americans to fill the job. And even in the high-tech uh, industries, Microsoft, Oracle, and a lot of other companies are lobbying for this reform because they say that they, can, they simply can't find enough American workers in those high-skilled, uh, you know, technological uh, industries. There are obviously a lot of Americans that have doctorate degrees that are mathematicians that are experts in those fields, but there, there are not enough Americans graduating from those fields for them to choose from, and they have to go outside. And that's 65,000, um, you know, according to, to all of them and some experts, is just quite not enough. What are the issues that we're looking at from a legislative perspective in terms of immigration? Well, you know, we, we have broad agreements least on the Democratic side and among some Republicans that the reform legislation needs to be comprehensive. It needs to take into account um, how to deal with the pathway to legalization that is practical for the 12 million that are here. Um, there is obviously broad agreement that we need to strengthen border security um, in such a way that you know we increase border patrol agents, that we increase the technology on both borders, not just the Mexican border. Um, and also we need a, a, a new worker program uh, so that we can have a legal channel for new workers to come. Um, and there is a, a slight difference between Democrats and Republicans on that because a lot of Republicans, President Bush, are insisting that those new workers have to be temporary and they have to go back to their country. And uh, Democrats feel that if they don't have a pathway to citizenship, then five or ten years from now you're going to have another 12 million undocumented population to deal with. So that's a very important issue we're dealing with uh, right now. And obviously, we need uh, to have family reunification and allow families to reunite. Um, and also, we, we need to have uh, effective uh, employer sanctions and workplace enforcement so that, uh, you know, employers don't hire the undocumented, but also so they don't abuse uh, the undocumented or exploit them. So in order to solve the problem, we need to go at it um, in all, in all the, the aspects of it. So it needs to be comprehensive, and it needs to deal with that. Right now, the Senate is dealing with this legislation, and we're debating it. Uh, hopefully, we'll have something approved uh, in the week of uh, June 8th. And uh, we, we're dealing with all those problems right now in terms of amendments, in terms of trying to fix uh, the deal that, that was reached among Democrats and Republicans. But those are the broad principles that Democrats agree with that we need to have a comprehensive reform on. What are the salient areas of the discussion and the most difficult challenges? There, there are three key issues that, that Democrats in the Senate are focused on uh, addressing in the comprehensive legislation that's been introduced. Uh, the first one is family reunification. Uh, 
under the deal that was produced uh, with the White House and the Senate Repo Republicans and Democrats, which was just a starting point. Uh, there, there aren't enough visas for family uh, members to come into the U.S., and they also eliminate certain categories for adult uh, children, for siblings, and some parents, for even U.S. citizens who are here, obviously, legally, and legal permanent residents. So those are issues that we want to address uh, because the Republicans insist on creating a point system where it awards highly skilled people that learn English and have degrees versus low-skilled workers. Uh, and that's for the green cards, for them to stay. Uh, so that system is something we're trying to fix, and that's a very complicated way of, of doing immigration in the future. Again, as I mentioned before, the, another sticking point is the temporary worker program. Under the deal that's been discussed right now, Democrats want to improve on that because, first of all, they insist on asking workers to come here for two years, leave back to their home country for a year, and then come back for two more years. They can do that for three times, um, but then they would have to leave their home country and wouldn't be able to stay. And again, if we don't have a pathway to citizenship for those who want to stay, or at least for a lot of them to, then we're going to have uh, an undocumented population that will grow uh, to the size or even more than the one we have right now. And then the final point um, is that under the pathway to citizenship that the deal uh, produced, although it is uh, generous and ambiguous at the same time, it requires undocumented uh, immigrants to pay fines, to demonstrate they're working, that they're learning English, that they don't have a, a criminal record, uh, and they could be here legally, provisionally for eight years uh, if they meet that criteria. But then at the end of the eight years, the head of the family would have to go back to their home country and drop off the uh, green card application there and then come back. And that's something that you know we're trying to modify because it's very impractical. Some people won't go back because, they're, because of fear. Uh, some won't go because they don't have the money to play the airplane ticket, especially if they live in India or you know far away in South America or in Africa. So that's something that we definitely want to modify. And right now, those are the three major sticking points that uh, we're going through here in the Senate and the legislative process. Within those categories that you mentioned, what is the solution? Propose what is the proposed solution? for the 12 million that are already here? Well, um, you know, we, we do, at least when I say we, we are the Senate Democrats, we do agree that we have to have an earned pathway to citizenship for the undocumented that, you know, they prove that they don't have, uh, you know, criminal records, that they have to pay fines, that they're, you know, good with the law. In other sense, they do have to pay their back taxes. Um, we just disagree with those who insist that, uh, that they should go back to their countries before they become uh, permanent residents. Um, it just creates a bureaucratic nightmare for our consulates and embassies abroad, and also uh, an unnecessary hardship on the undocumented immigrants. So uh, we would prefer that, that they, don't, they wouldn't have to leave to their home countries, and they would follow that pathway of paying fines and registering with, their gov with the government, you know, giving the fingerprints, passing the background checks, and paying the back taxes and the fines. Um, so uh, we, we think that that's rigorous enough, and asking them to go back to their home countries, um, it's just, again, not, an, not only an undue hardship on them, but also a bureaucratic nightmare for the government. It, so if I understand correctly, Federico, the proposal is some sort of an amnesty for the 12 million who are here. And no, that, that's not amnesty. Amnesty would be just to forgive them like they, they did in 1986, where they just passed a law and said, whoever registers and it's undocumented, you can be here legally. Um, when you pay a parking ticket, you're not giving amnesty, you're just paying uh, for uh, the infraction that you committed. In this case, 
these people came here without authorization, without documents. Uh, they came here uh, in an illegal fashion, and so they do pay a fine for the infraction they committed, and they go through all this rigorous process of paying their back taxes. They're just getting in good with the law and earning a pathway to stay here legally. They're not being uh, forgiven uh, by any means. Uh, so under the deal that's been discussed right now, they would have to go through that process that at the end of the eight years, they would have to go back to the home countries, and what Senate Democrats are trying to do is avoid uh, having to impose that hardship on them. What are the strongest points of the opposition? Well, you know, this is all very fluid. There is a coalition of Senate uh, Democrats and Republicans that in general agree on the urgent need for reform. Uh, we're just a little bit divided on the details. Um, so, you know, there is broad agreement that we need to deal with all aspects of this, in terms of border security, the uh, earned legalization component for the undocumented, the temporary worker program, and also the workplace enforcement. And, you know, we are, we are in disagreement with Republicans when it comes to reunification of families. You know, President Bush, every time he gives a speech on immigration, he always says, you know, I was governor of Texas, and I'm a big believer that family values don't stop at the Rio Grande. And, you know, he's been pushing for the elimination of three out of the five family reunification categories that are currently in law, and he wants to cap uh, the number of parents who would come here. And these are for U.S. citizens and legal permanent residents. For temporary workers, they don't want to allow them to bring in families, and they also don't want them to, to be able to stay. And so those are the sticking points that Senate Democrats are, are working on so that we can have a comprehensive solution that works and it's practical, it's tough, fair, and smart, and not something that just says, okay, we'll, we dealt with the problem, but that could create future problems. I heard somewhere that there was a move to change the system from a relationship-based formula that allowed relatives to request visas for their family on a preferential basis to a merit-based formula. Is there any truth to that? And if so, where is that in the process? Well, under the legislation being discussed or, or the deal that was reached, uh, uh, interim deal that was reached in the Senate, uh, it would be a point system uh, that we believe is, is unnecessarily skewed to the higher skilled and educated and population, that's the point system that, that, would, that would be uh, determining who gets a permanent resident green card and who wouldn't. Um, so right now, they would give more points to those who have bachelor's degrees or master's or doctor's degrees, and they would give more points for people who know English and uh, who are in highly skilled uh, areas of, of the economy versus those who are low-skilled, who don't have necessarily a bachelor's degree, who don't necessarily have as good of a of, uh, efficiency in English, um, and definitely it gives less points for family, as you mentioned, uh, ties in the U.S. Uh, versus the economic needs. Interestingly enough, you know, we don't like it uh, primarily because of the family uh, and the low-skilled uh, unfair part of this, but also uh, companies like Oracle and Microsoft and others are against this point system, the way it's structured, because it wouldn't let them choose who they, they, they want to hire. Uh, it basically leads it up to the government to decide who has the skills and who doesn't and who could stay. And so part of the problem is that the, the companies need a steady work workforce, and if you force them to go for a year in between the two years, they would be here legally, and then you wouldn't allow them to stay. But those few who could stay could stay under this complicated point system. Um, then the companies and the free market aren't the ones who are determining what our economic needs are and how we could fill them. It would be the government uh, who decides who does it. And ironically, for a Republican administration, 
it, it seems uh, sort of an oxymoron. How do you respond to anti-immigration critics who say that there are plenty of jobs to go around for Americans, but that the reason employers choose to hire undocumented immigrants is because they pay them less than a fair wage, and that therefore they're stealing jobs from Americans who would otherwise have jobs to apply for? Well, this is how I answer them. First of all, our national unemployment is 4.5%, and most economists, economists agree that that's uh, nearly full employment. And the states that absorb most uh, immigrants, again, California, Florida, Arizona, Texas, uh, their unemployment rates are actually lower than the national unemployment rates. Uh, so that's the first part. And you just ask anybody in California, a lot of the fruits aren't being picked and are rotting. Uh, and there aren't anybody, you know, we can't find uh, Americans to, to do those jobs. And because of the crackdowns uh, that the administration has perpetrated, there are, there are a lot of immigrants who are scared that are working in those fields. And the economy simply cannot uh, find uh, Americans to do those jobs. Now, in terms of the get them getting paid lower, um, ironically, the solution to that would be for them to be legally here so they would have labor rights so that we, so that we could pay them a prevailing wage. And so, therefore, the American workers wouldn't be competing unfairly against people who could be paid less. So legalizing them and providing them rights would actually address that problem that those folks are about which is the low wages, we definitely want them to be paid a fair wage, and that way they wouldn't be competing unfairly against American workers. So I think that that's uh, that's how I would answer that question. What's going to happen, Federico? Can, can you look at your crystal ball for us a, a little bit and tell us what you think it, the process is going to be like and what the likely I, outcome and timeline are for the immigration reform legislation? Well, you know, sometimes when I when I do these interviews in, in Spanish language radio, I answer that if I were Walter Mercado, I would be making a lot more money <laughs> in another profession, but I'm not. Uh, I'm here talking with you. And, you know, most people say that it's a 50-50 chance. We really want to get something fair, tough, and smart approved in the Senate uh, in that first week of, of June. Uh, and then the House of Representatives has, has to take up a bill and uh, if they approve a different version of, uh, from ours, then they have to go to a conference committee to resolve those differences, and then a final version will go for an up or down vote without amendments back to the Senate and the House, and the President could sign it. Um, we want to complete that process before August. We don't want it to, to interfere in the presidential primary season. Um, we're already getting close to that deadline. Um, and, you know, honestly, we, we, we don't want to have to approve a reform just so we can say we had it. We want to approve a reform that solves the problem, that is practical, uh, that meets the needs of our economy and the humanitarian needs of the immigrants. So those are the aspects we want to focus on. And, you know, hopefully we can get it done. But we're not just going to approve something to approve it. We, we have to approve something that's right. For those who were concerned about the war deadline that never happened, and are looking at this scenario now and saying, oh, the Democrats are going to give in again, and the conservatives are going to have their way, there's not going to be any effective reform, what would you say? Well, you know, it depends on what, how you define giving in. Um, we could easily just say, okay, well, let's just approve anything that the White House wants to uh, propose, and that'll be the end of that. But we are uh, an equal branch of government, and we do have amendment processes and other uh, legislation 
and uh, we also have to deal with some things that we don't like. But as long as it's comprehensive, it's practical, and it solves the security, economic, and humanitarian needs of our of our nation, then that's something we can support. If it, at the end of the process we can get that, then you know we won't approve it. And our track record, I think that you know is it's pretty clear. Last year we did approve a comprehensive reform legislation in the Senate, and it was approved with 39 out of the 43 Democratic votes and only 23 out of the 55 Republicans. So it's pretty clear in terms of our actions um, who's on the side of uh, solving the problem and who's just uh, resting up the rhetoric for campaign season. In a perfect world, Federico, if you got all your wishes for the comprehensive reform legislation, what would happen and how soon? If I had my way and uh, Senator Reed had his way, um, we would have a reform uh, like I described that just deals with border security uh, without any punitive or criminalization aspects like some Republicans wanted, uh, but that would increase the border patrol agents that would have more technology and that would really uh, dedicate the limited resources we have in a smart way on the few people who would cross the borders uh, just to harm us instead of the vast majority of those who come here to uh, improve our societies. And so the pathway to legalization that we would want again is after the fines and the background checks and paying back taxes, uh, we wouldn't uh, want them to, to go back to their home countries. And in, ter in terms of the temporary guest worker program, uh, we need as much workers as the economy needs. As long as Americans can do these jobs, we should welcome people who would fill those jobs. Again, you know, if they pass these requirements, but we should also provide them a pathway to citizenship so that businesses can have a steady workforce and so that they're not in the shadows after the two or three year visa that they're given and then we don't have to have this problem in the future. And very important is the family reunification. Um, you know, this country is a nation of immigrants. Uh, you know, most, most of, 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 of the people who live here come from all parts of the world or their parents or their grandparents came from other parts of the world. And it's really unfair to tell someone that a parent or an adult uh, children, uh, child, it's an immediate family, it's a nuclear family. And uh, it really perplexes us that the other side is trying to force that on us. So that's something we would fix in an ideal world. And I think that we're, we're working towards that. Um, so that's, that's what we want, and that's what we're fighting for. We're not going to get everything we want, but as close uh, to it as possible you know, would, would be good enough. But you know, that's, that's something we have to fight for. And that's something, honestly, that the American people have to call on their elected representatives to do. Um, you know, every time I do these interviews in, in Spanish, at least, a lot of people ask me, so what can we do? Well, you can call your senators, you can call President Bush, ask them to support the amendments uh, that we're uh, introducing to fix the things we don't like in the reform, like the family reunification, the pathway to citizenship for temporary workers, and uh, to fix the point system. And if they support us on that, I think that public opinion is on our side. You know, there is a lot of rhetoric from the anti-immigrant crowd, but most of the credible polls out there, specifically the USA Today Gallup poll that came out two weeks ago or the Washington Post uh, poll that came out uh, a month ago, say that from 65 to 78 percent of Americans support comprehensive reform that includes a pathway to citizenship for the undocumented um, that meets certain requirements. So, you know, there is a, a loud minority out there that is anti-immigrant that doesn't want to solve the problem. Uh, but the vast majority of the American people are on our side, so that gives us a lot of confidence going forward. In terms of a timeline, Federico, when would, not just when, when would it be enacted, but when would it begin to take effect? Well, we want it to be signed into law before August uh, of this year, as I mentioned. 
and uh, it would take roughly six months for the Department of Homeland Security to issue regulations so that people could start applying for the, uh, the pathway to citizenship and for the border enforcement and enhancement measures to start taking place. Um, there is a trigger mechanism right now in the deal, um, which is still being worked out, um, which would require the Homeland Security Department to certify that certain border security uh, enhancements have been made before the temporary worker program and uh, the, the citizenship for the undocumented uh, take place. You know, and, uh, another part of the bill is also to uh, reduce the backlog of people who have applied to come here legally. Um, and so that's why we say that the undocumented would have a pathway to citizenship, but they would go back to the end of the line. They wouldn't go first than the people who are applying legally. They would have a provisional legalization, but not citizenship before the people who applied for it uh, legally. So it would give more resources for those applications to be processed and that backlog that back, uh, backlog to be reduced. Uh, and so th those are the aspects that, that would take some time. Uh, the border security measures would probably take 18 months to come into effect before the other programs uh, would, would start applying. So we're, we're talking about six months uh, for the initial regulations and maybe 18 months for the temporary worker program and the other programs to start taking effect. What kind of impact can our listeners, most of whom are business owners themselves or executives in businesses throughout the country, what kind of impact can they expect in the business and corporate world, nonprofits, even governments, um, from these changes? Well, you know, business in general has been a big ally of ours in trying to get this uh, reform passed. You know, it's very interesting. This coalition includes faith-based leaders, community leaders, immigrant advocates, Hispanic organizations, um, a lot of all other multicultural organizations, uh, you know, Asian, African, and also business leaders. And, you know, some labor unions are actually uh, also supporting us. Um, and the businesses would benefit because they would have a steady workforce. They would have a reliable system to verify who's here legally, who could they hire, who could they not hire. Um, and you know, under the reform that Democrats want to pass, uh, you know, they wouldn't have the uncertainty of having the government come in and do raids and find them and putting them in jail when some of them even cooperated with the government and ironically they paid for, for it later uh, with fines and others. So we obviously don't want the employers to be unscrupulous and break the law, but we also want to give them a system that is reliable and efficient uh, so that they can have the consistency, they can plan uh, for their future investments without all of these uncertainties that all of a sudden half of their labor force would have to be forced out of the country um, and other things that, that are disruptive for the economy. So they would have the, la the labor that they need and our economy would benefit as a whole. And I think that society is al always better when you have law-abiding immigrants contributing to, to their communities and to the economy. Thank you, Federico, for joining us today from Washington. Thank you, Elena. Always a pleasure. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Federico A. de Jesus, who is Director of Hispanic Communications at the Office of Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, who discussed immigration reform, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.
For more information on how to reach Hispanics with marketing and public relations tools, visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com. That's www.hispanicmpr.com.